0: Welcome to Chasing 3 Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Before we get to today's episode, I would like to extend a huge thank you to all of you who downloaded, shared, supported the first episode of Chasing 3 Hours. I had a great conversation with Jonathan Levitt as we've talked about his time in running, his time as a podcaster, and so much more. If you've missed that, please do go check it out. And again, for those of you who shared it, thank you so much. It was so cool to see all of the responses to the first episode. And I'm looking forward to today's conversation with Derek Lowski. For those of you who have been reading my newsletter at chasing 3 you will recognize him as Derek from Strava, we talk about the beginning of our relationship together, but we really dive into Derek and his last few years as a runner. Someone who really wasn't running as recently as 2018. He has now qualified and run in the Boston Marathon multiple times. He has chased and caught three hours himself a few times as well. We talk about that. We talk about his love for running and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Derek Lowski. Derek Losky, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. It's good to be on. Good to hear that you
1: finally have jumped into the podcast space.
0: Man, I'm excited. Uh, It's funny because those who have been reading the newsletter for a while uh, have probably seen your name show up in there as Derek from Strava. And we were just talking before we got going, trying to remember when we started following each other or when we started running past each other because we used to live in the same neighborhood and we would go past each other quite a bit Um, Back in 2021 and early 2022.
1: Yeah, I had the local legend for almost all of Midtown on Strava. And then I got hurt with an Achilles injury winter 2020, early 2021. And I remember coming back and... You had everything and had put them all pretty much to unreachable levels from doubles most days.
0: I was uh, I was rereading uh, an old newsletter the other day, just trying to find something, and I I found a mention of you in there, and and I had a little footnote. It was like this is the second or third time that I've mentioned Derek. I should probably let him know that he keeps coming up in my newsletter. But at some point in time, I found out that you were you were reading me and we ran together uh, at at the peak performance Monday night run club. So we had been crossing paths via the Internet, which is, I guess, how a lot of people cross paths these days.
1: Yeah. And we we were just talking earlier as well. Um the first memory that I have of seeing you on the trail was when you were running the virtual early bird in early twenty twenty one. And uh-huh. I, as far as I can remember, that was the first time you'd like broken seven minute pace average for something of that length. Yeah. And I remembered seeing you on the trail right under 42nd Street. Yep.
0: Yeah. And and I I was telling you I because we just got done running and, and we'll get to the first question that I want to start off all these pods with this in a second, but um I remember seeing you at some point in time around like center street on that field club trail really early in the morning. And so at some point in time in April uh, March, April of 2021, we start crossing paths with each other. Uh, we started running together uh, last year. And now here we are. I begin every podcast. This is episode number two. Appreciate you joining me today uh, with a question. And this is a fun one because we just finished a run together. How was your run today? Uh,
1: the run today was great. Uh, anytime, Anytime the temps start getting up, it, it's always questionable, especially with kind of the Nebraska humidity, but the Wabash Trace Trail in uh, Council Bluffs does a great job of shielding you from the sun and the heat, so it was, it was great. You and I ran 12 miles, uh, pretty pretty easy, just talked the whole time, yeah. so good, a good end to the weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you You run with a lot of people around here in town, and one of the things that, you know, I'd say probably the first thing that I noticed about you was, was obviously you were super talented. But the second thing was that you kind of had become this, like, ringleader of a lot of the runners of our kind of level, those that are aiming for the BQs here in Omaha. How, how did that happen for you? How did you become someone that is creating group chats, creating group me's? Because, like, you're the kind of patient zero, right, of, of putting all this stuff together. Yeah, so
1: as kind of a background, I... In I ran my first race in 2019, and that was after I had lost roughly 90 pounds. So most of my life, I was not a person that I did not have a ton of friends. I did not have a ton of self-confidence. So this is kind of the first time in my life where I feel like I've had like a big group of friends. And it all started organically with me. I was training i i had started to really enjoy running and i'd started putting some times together that started looking like wow i'm i'm actually pretty decent at this and so once i did that the obvious goal was to try and go for a bq and I was getting lonely doing, I, I had no idea how to train. So I was yeah. doing long runs of like 27 miles solo every weekend. <gasps> oh and it was like, I really need to like get some friends that I can run with. So pretty much any time I would meet somebody, I'd grab their number and try and start getting to run with them. And then eventually I had like, maybe 17 people's phone numbers. And we, I I started trying to have a group text and it was just a total hassle. We'd, we'd get somebody that didn't have an iPhone. And then whenever I'd try to add, add a new number, I would need to go back and recreate a new text thread and somebody would always get left off and then I'd have to create another one. And so I was just kind of racking my brain trying to figure out how I can do this. And so I, Determined with a group me, and we're now up to 47 ish people in the Omaha area. Most of them are in the like right at the BQ range. Some are a bit faster, some are a bit short, but pretty much anybody in there that's looking to go catch a long run or go do a workout at some point, yeah, we kind of have them in a group me.
0: I thought it was really cool. We were talking after you ran Boston this last year, and a bunch of you put together. Your your PRs. You had your best runs of your life, your best marathon times of your life, and you said something afterwards about like, without this group, I don't know if this is going to be possible. It's 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 really cool to see just how you and so many others. I know I I'm often looking at your guys' times. How just kind of rising tide seems to lift all lift all boats.
1: Yeah the the community aspect seems to be kind of the unspoken. The unspoken portion of training. Like you, you can go ahead and you can run phenomenal times training solo, but it just seems like your mental, the mental space is so much better when you have other people, especially if you have people that are a little bit faster than you that can kind of push you, but not, you don't want to push yourself too hard. There's a very fine line. But if you have people that are like, you know, two to three minutes faster than you over the course of the marathon, you're trying, you're trying to keep up. Like you're trying to, you're looking at their Strava afterwards words, you're seeing, oh, his average heart rate was 140 and mine was 142. Like I got, I got, I, I got to get mine lower than him. It's, it's, it's the competitive aspect, but you want, yeah. you want all of your friends to run the best race of their life. And you just want you to be in a little bit better shape than them.
0: Let's go back to uh, the beginning of your running journey. So you mentioned you lost weight before that. Let's go back literally to, to the beginning of that process. Had you run, were you a runner? Was it something that you had kind of You know, done at various points or was that really the beginning of running for you? Because I know you didn't run in high school.
1: No, the the longest that I'd ever run previous to that was, you know, doing like the mile time trials in middle school and things of that nature. I grew up playing a lot of like sports. I played football most of my life. I played basketball. I played golf. So kind of the turning point for me was I had moved down to Clinton, Missouri, a small town where I knew nobody. And I was going to play basketball at the, at the YMCA and I couldn't touch rim anymore. And that was the first time in my life. And that was just, I, that was like a life defining moment for me where I was like, okay, I need to, I need to start getting, I I need to turn this ship around. And so I started off, I I started off not running. I started off playing basketball at the Y every day with all the high schoolers over summer. And then even throughout the school year. And I noticed that I was, it, it was getting easier. I could play for longer and longer. And it wasn't ever really that difficult because it w- I was doing something that en- I enjoyed. I, I, every experience I had with running, like doing mile time trials and stuff, I just remember being so miserable. I hated doing it for conditioning. Yeah. Never in a million years would I have imagined that that would be okay. And then one day I decided that I was going to hop on the treadmill at the gym because there was no, there were no basketball games going on or anything. And the first time I stepped on the treadmill, I was able to run a ten k. And I remember I got off there and I was like, oh, like this isn't that bad if if you're in relatively good shape. And so then the natural progression was that I started dating a girl that had run multiple half marathons. And she was like, oh, you should you should run a half marathon. And so I signed up for the same one as her, which ended up being Lincoln of 2019. And then we broke up before that. And so I was still going to run the race. And then the goal kind of became like, instead of just finishing, it was like, okay, well, I got to beat her. <laughs> and so <laughs> and that, did you? Yes, I did. <laughs> but that kind of kicked everything off. And then from there, it was... The next race was I wanted to do a marathon, and then once I did the marathon, more halves, and then Boston qualify, run an ultra. Like I, I, I jumped off the deep end immediately after that. Yeah,
0: it seems like you. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about this over the last few weeks as I've you know prepared to start the podcast. The. When I would get into like a band, I would throw myself into like their discography. It's like, oh, I didn't just like one song. I, I listened to My Name is Jonas by Weezer. I'm going to get into Weezer. That happened to me my freshman year of college. You seem that same way, but with running. And I know I, I felt that way over the last few years. So it, it seemed like it went from, I mean, true zero to 60 for you, essentially overnight. It's...
1: The addictive personality trait. Anything that I get into, I am very into it, and yeah. it, that's just how it goes. I need to try and keep the things that I get into on the positive notes.
0: So you, you, as you said that Lincoln, that was twenty nineteen. And your time in, in 2019 was? I ran a 152 half so at Lincoln. Basically, the same kind of time frame, I believe, that, that my first half was. Because I think that was in the 155 range down down in Missouri. So you, you have a really good race. You beat your ex-girlfriend, which is yes. a- also nice. And after that, what what's the process then? Because your second race is then... Same uh, year?
1: Yes. So I had such a good time running that half that I decided this was going to become a thing, and the natural progression was to do a marathon. And so I signed up for the Nebraska Marathon because I, I lived in, I live in the Blackstone area in Omaha. And so the Nebraska Marathon that year started at Midtown Crossing and finished at Lewis and Clark Landing. And so it was super convenient. You know, it was three blocks from my apartment. So I was like, okay, this will be, this will be my first marathon. I had no idea how to train. It turned into, I would do like a 20 mile long run. My goal was to break four hours. My 20 mile long runs would be at, Nine minute pace, like right at marathon pace, and I would just be dead, and then have to take a couple of days off. And looking back, not not ideally what you want to be doing. And so it went about as expected. Uh, it was an absolute downpour. The race tech technically the race was called at the halfway point, so there was no official marathon distance uh-huh. because of lightning. Yeah, but there were I think five people that were dumb enough to. Continue going and naturally, of course, would, you were a part of. Naturally, it. I was one of them, and so I unofficially finished with a time of four oh four, and I was pretty disappointed. I, I am on video saying, "Do not ever let me do that again." And <laughs> uh, yeah, that that changed pretty quickly.
0: I imagine I know that I have said that before. Um, I, I remember in twenty nineteen, I did Chicago, and I told my now fiance, my my family. This is it. I'm done. I'm done running marathons and of course I ended up signing up for one a few months later. Uh, going back to 2019, you said that like you didn't know how to train. I was on a podcast recently with Joseph Kilser here in town and he asked me like what piece of advice would you give, you know, someone who is starting out. And my my advice was like run slow, which I think is a good piece of advice, but the other one is just like ask like I wish that I would have talked to more people who have had experience like my dad was like the one person that I knew in my life at the time who had run in marathons I wish that I would have asked more people just because it seems like your story is my story it's the same as so many yeah. it's like yeah you're never gonna know exactly what to expect but man it would be nice to have some of an idea instead of just going out there like an idiot and running marathon pace for like every single workout that you're doing
1: yeah so I was actually just on a run with one of my friends yesterday, she's training for her first marathon, and I, I had told her that my piece of advice would be utilize all these resources like yeah. I've run I've run 8 marathons we were on a run with uh, my friend Carl who's run upwards of 10 Steven uh, also was on that run he's run upwards of 30 marathons <laughs> use use these resources like yeah. we will we will tell you what you what you need to do or what you should do we want we want everybody to have a great experience to not have the experience that you and I had at our first marathon where we had no idea how to fuel or no idea how to train. Yeah. Like it, it is feels much better to finish the race and go, I left time out there yeah. as opposed to the the, other way. I have no idea how I could ever do this any faster. I am completely
0: wiped. Yeah. So that's 2019. So you run your first marathon, the Nebraska marathon. And of course this is leading into, into COVID in 2020. So at this point in time, you were down all that weight, right? So you, yeah. are you, you're, you're about your current weight. You're, you're certainly falling in love with it. And so is the next step like, I just want to get faster? And, and what do those next few months look like, especially given what's going to happen in March of 2020?
1: Yeah. So after I ran the Nebraska marathon, I ran another half roughly about a month later, and I ran a 133. So I do think looking back that 404, I was in better shape than that. I just had no idea how to train for a marathon. And then after that next half, we start getting into winter in Nebraska. And I'm very – I'm not going to call myself a fair weather runner. I typically run early in the mornings, and my like general rule of thumb has always been I can deal with the cold and I can deal with the dark, but I don't want to deal with the two of them together. (laughs) So my winter training turned into basically – doing between eight and 13 miles on the almost exclusively on the treadmill uh-huh. all throughout winter. And so Ugh. I would do it all relatively easy, which at that point, my, what I thought was my easy pace was roughly around eight minutes. So I was doing it all at roughly eight minute miles. And I think I ended up getting up to like maybe 60, 65 miles per week. And then in the spring, I did the virtual Lincoln half marathon. I was signed up to run the actual race and then COVID canceled everything. And I came out and I ran a 123, which I had no, (laughs) no context for. I, I remember running the first two miles at like a 620 pace. My girlfriend was pacing me on the bike. And after two miles, I told her, I don't think I could keep up at this pace. And then I started drifting off. I started running like maybe I think it was like a 630, then like a 635. And then something just clicked and I knocked off like six straight miles at about 616, 618. And all of a sudden I'm coming in at a 123 (laughs) half, which I would have never guessed in a million years. And from there... The next logical step is BQ. Uh-huh. They always say you shoot for ru- like roughly 125 ish is where you could start ru- uh, dreaming of a sub three. Yeah, dreaming of sub three. It's yeah. so all I. That was when I started realizing that
0: there I might have a shot this year. So let's let's pause here because you mentioned something like you know, you go from what 152 to 123, essentially year over year. One year, yes. One year, so you do that. Um, are you like? Are you reading books? Are you like, I, I guess I want to put into perspective how you're doing this, because as you said, like you, you maybe have a couple of people that you're talking to about running and yet you're just wiping off minutes and, and a half hour year over year. And so I wonder if you're realizing this is really impressive or are you feeling like this is the progression? Because it's obvious that you have natural talent that you just were tapping into That's probably for hear. the first time. But you do. <laughs> At least in running, right? I
1: that's that's really weird to hear, but yeah, I mean, I guess so. At up until that point, I really i I was reading some like basic stuff, but I didn't do any real research on how to train. Up to that point, it was all just I enjoyed
0: doing this, and so, and so I were was you trying just pl- to do doing your own plans, like just oh, kind yeah, of going out I, and running. I was
1: trying to do. And, you know, I was trying to do between an hour, hour and a half of cardio day. That was really what I was trying to do. And then once I hit that one twenty three time and realizing I had a chance at BQing, that was when I started doing a lot more research, reading, reading, like, let's run forums, reading, like, uh, advanced running and and those and trying to reach out to people that I felt knew what was going on. That was when I got introduced to uh, the weekly, like, Tuesday, uh, team Nebraska triathlon, the Uh Tuesday night track workouts and meeting the people from there that tended to be like the guy that puts that on Gerald is a former national level triathlete that competed in international like competitions for the U S and he was a collegiate runner and had run multiple marathons. And so trying to pick his brain and trying to pick the brains of everybody else that went there and Trying to piece everything into my own training plan. So I had been self-trained up. I did not hire a coach until this past year. So early 2022 after a string of injuries. So up until that point, everything had been just what, just you? I, what I'd read. Oh, wow. And so it was like a modified um like mafetone training where so a lot of like heart rate training. So Uh essentially the same thing that you do. It's just that I had I had always read that you should try and keep your heart rate on most of your runs at roughly like 180 minus your age. Uh So at that I remember being like 27 at that point. So my target heart rate was always 153 ish. So I just yeah. yeah so I just tried to keep my heart rate low and that ended up carrying me significantly.
0: Yeah, I remember um, when I fell in love with running in 2020, I, the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge was, and it's like the advice I always give to people, it's run slow. So I, I had I'd always used the Hal Higdon plans. And so one final time, I'm like, I'm going to do another Hal Higdon plan. I'm going to f- actually read all the introduction stuff. And it mentions like on your r- long runs, do it. I think it said like 90 seconds slower a minute to 90 seconds lower than than what you want your your goal to be and so i was like okay well a four hour is basically a nine minute mile i'll do 10 to 10 and a half minute miles and then the next year in 2021 i read eighty twenty by matt fitzgerald and i essentially i find out okay awesome i've been doing the correct thing throughout this process just basing everything off of heart rate and, and that's obviously carried me and has carried you to where we are today so it's 2020 and you're, you're starting to talk to a lot of people, which I think is just so cool. And again, one of the awesome parts about the running community is that everyone's like, yeah, happy to help you. Let me give you every piece of advice that I have. But there's also not a whole lot of races. I ended up signing up for Twin Cities March. Let's see, everything shut down on the 11th. I think March 7th or 8th. I could go find the email. And literally a few days later, it's like, you know, everything's on hold. And at a certain point in March, I realized I'm going to have to run this virtually, which I feel like was a fork in the road moment for my life. What was it like for you as you're you're clipping off huge minutes and you're also wanting to run a, like you're wanting to do a race? You're wanting to be but there's really not a whole lot of them available.
1: Yeah, I don't remember exactly when I decided to sign up for the Nebraska Marathon, but that was one of the few races that actually happened. And I, I actually we had three races that happened in. Omaha area that year. Yeah, that's crazy. Was,
0: I don't even remember that now, and I'm kind of bummed that I didn't run any of them.
1: Yeah, Heartland, if I remember right, Heartland in 2020 got rained out mid-race. Omaha Marathon w- had some controversy because it was over a half mile long, and then Nebraska <sighs> Marathon happened that same year and also got rained out. Yeah. And that was... or no, so that year, this was the year that I was actually, that Nebraska Marathon actually happened. They just had to move it because it was no longer at Midtown Crossing okay. because that was all under construction. But yeah, that one happened, and there were people from all over the country because it was, they one, of to the, race. It yeah. was one of the few races that happened. I remembered yeah. meeting a girl from Ohio and seeing runners from Texas and all these other states, like all these, the 50-state marathoners. Yeah. Now,
0: well, time it, to it, knock it, Nebraska yeah, off my t- list.
1: Exactly, time to knock Nebraska off their list so they they showed up and it actually happened and I c- couldn't believe it so, so I feel like we were kind of insula- insulated in a way yeah in Nebraska
0: yeah and I love so let's go to that race so you, I guess first of all let's talk about the training that you have leading up to that so you're still kind of doing like a modified plan right yep. so but you're starting to do some stuff from other people it's not just yep. you going out for 90 my, minutes my
1: my biggest goal my biggest thing was that from what I could tell, mileage was going to be the biggest key predictor. So I went from doing roughly sixty-five miles a week on the treadmill to I immediately basically bumped it up to eighty-five and <sighs> sustained eighty-five throughout the summer, which I would not recommend <laughs> no. anybody do. Do as I say, Mir- not as I do. Miraculously, it ended up working out for me, and I so I ran a roughly eighty-five miles a week over the summer with, and I kind of bumped down my uh, like I was doing. 20 26 27 mile long runs That's so crazy. I had before I actually ran this marathon in 2020 I ran the marathon distance five or six times in just I, that cycle in that training cycle not
0: so you didn't get hurt
1: yeah I, I don't understand how that didn't happen
0: yeah I no idea so you told me the story um I think it's so fun and funny and, and also really cool and it says a lot about your self-confidence going into a race you you go to the starting line and if you've ever run in a marathon you you know you try to get uh near people that are going to run in the same pace. So it's fun to hang out with somebody and then it's like okay this is good I can hang out with this person and and go from there. So you you go up to the starting line and your goal at this time is a sub 3 hour.
1: Yeah, I wanted to run a sub 3 hour and in my own fashion, I was trying to get a group of people to go out at three hour pace together with us. And so the, the talk comes up of like, Oh, what's your PR? What's your PR? And so it was a lot. There were a lot of people that were two, you know, two fifty, three oh five, somewhere in that range. And I remember getting looks because I said that my PR was four Oh four. And I was about to try and go (laughs) a year ago, one year ago in the same race at a different course in better, better weather conditions the previous year. Cause, uh, in 2020, when I ran this race, it was roughly 65 degrees and 99% humidity at the start of the race. It ended up getting up to about 80 degrees. Good Lord. So yeah, it was brutal conditions. The first mile and a half is downhill, which means, and it was a out and back, which yep. means your last mile and a half it's is going be, to be uphill. Yeah. So it was not, it was not better conditions. It was not a better course. Yeah. And yeah, I was shooting for a 65-minute PR.
0: So 65-minute uh, PR, sub three is a 651-ish, you know, right, right, hanging out there. What's your plan? What's the plan going into the race? And I guess, are you, because for the first few marathons that I ran, I was, well, I guess the first two don't really count. But the next couple after that, it was like start, you know, 10 to 15 seconds behind per mile and then go like a minute faster than my goal. And hopefully at the last 10K, I'm, I'm good to go and I can attack it. Did you just say I'm going to try to go to 651 from the jump and go from there, or what was your thought process? Yeah, so I was going to just try and
1: average 651, 652 as long as I possibly could. Now, I, I, as I just said, the first mile and a half or so is downhill, so I, we started out, we had about a 30 second buffer after that first one, just because it, <laughs> yeah, it's a steep downhill. Yeah, it, it, it felt good, and so we, I tried to just hold on as long as I could at that pace. And I ended up going through half and I think it was right about 128, 127 high, something like that. So we, I went through, I went through a little bit faster than anticipated, but I was feeling very good. And you had the uphill and you had some buffer. Yep. I had, I had no idea how to fuel. I had, we, I knew one of our friends was going to jump in and pace us the last 10 K. And so I had kind of that to look forward to. I was running with one of my friends, Seth. He had, he had run the Omaha marathon, the one that was a bit long. Three weeks before, I believe, with a goal of sub-three hours, and he by his watch, he had a 2.56, but his official time ended up being like three hours and 45 seconds despite not running any miles slower than 6.52. <laughs> yeah. So he missed out, and then he made the crazy decision of, okay, I missed out. By, like I should have done it. Yeah. I want this Boston qualifying time. I'm going to turn around and run another marathon three weeks later and try and get it. Yeah. And so he signed up with me. We ran Together through about mile 20, he started dropping off pace, and I We were then in. That was when our friend John picked us up to try and pace us in, and that was when I made the decision. Like, okay, Seth needs you more than I need you. Yeah. So I told John to run back and go with Seth, and then I was just gonna. I was just kind of on my own in No Man's Land, trying to trying to hang on and just watching all the margin that I had slip away.
0: Yeah. So the same thing happened with me in Chicago, where I, you know, one moment in time, I think it was getting close to mile, you know, nineteen twenty. I have like thirty something seconds in my back pocket, and I'm figuring, okay, I got this. And if I finish strong, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically gonna be able to go in, and it's gonna feel like a party, which is how the Twin Cities Marathon had felt in 2021, where I beat my goal by five minutes, and it just like, you know, I I never had any doubt that I was gonna beat it. I'm losing time, and I realize that with a mile to go. Like this is, I have to do this now. What's, what are the the miles look like for you at the end of that race?
1: Yeah, so I was losing a lot of steam. I want to say after mile. Probably miles twenty through maybe twenty two were closer to like seven twenty, and that was at mile twenty two. Casey Lichtig, former Western States champion, who had I believe set a course record in a half marathon the day before, she catches <laughs> up to me, and so I was talking to her, and that was kind of a that was kind of a boost of energy yeah. because she is five foot nothing, like yep. maybe a hundred pounds, yeah. just out for a casual jog beast. running. 257. And so she she passed me and gave me some encouragement. Yeah. And so I was able to keep going. I remember being about a mile, right about at the base of the hill, so mile 24, 24 and a ish. And I saw my average pace on my watch clip over to 649 and then to 650. And thinking, I'm going to have to like run really hard yeah. if I want this. And so I. Gave it everything that I had. I think I averaged like a 620 pace in. I finished at 259.07, I believe, and immediately laid down on the ground, (laughs) and Casey came over and gave me a hug, and it was (laughs) incredible. And then uh, Seth ended up coming through at 308. His legs were not fully recovered in three weeks, which now now we all know why after having run multiple marathons, Uh but... we just had no idea what we were doing.
0: Yeah. So, and I think that's such a fun start, uh, fun part of this this era of your running is, and I guess we're always learning, right? But that you're truly like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fuel. I'm going to try to, you know, knock off an hour and and BQ. And you're able to do that. Not to mention with the temperatures getting up into the 80s and the humidity in the 90s. I mean, that's worse than than what we dealt with in Lincoln a month ago.
1: Yeah, I. Looking back at it, that was probably the best shape that I've ever been in. Yeah. Because I, after uh, about a month after that race, I came out and I ran a 119 half. My goal had been 121 and just mid race, I was like, oh, this is like, I've got this. And then I started going a little bit faster. And I think according to my watch, my average heart rate was mid 150s or something like that. <laughs> so I was just, I had no idea what kind of shape I was in, but the injury bug did manage to catch up to me, my own stupidity, I decided that after running that half, my legs felt good enough that I was going to do a track workout two days later. Oh my gosh. And I, uh, I hurt my Achilles, Achilles tendinopathy, and I was out for three and a half months and that set everything back. And that had been basically the story of my last couple of years was that I'd get in good shape and then do something, something stupid. Like my... My new, ne- my newness to the sport yeah. would show its face and I would set myself back. And that was the biggest reason that I hired a coach was to try and keep me from
0: doing that stupid stuff. Before we get into that, I, I do want to go back to the marathon for just a moment and just thinking about all of the guys that were around you. They probably made note of your bib number, or your name, and they were like, all right, I'm going to check this guy's time afterwards. And i I wonder how many of them were like, "Are you serious? He actually was able to do the time that you know you had this goal, and they were probably thinking to themselves like, yeah, good luck, dude,' and then you did it." So I just I lo- I would love to sit next to one of these random guys as they pulled it up on their phone and like, "Holy shit, he actually did
1: it!" Yeah i i, I would I would love to see that too because <laughs> I, I the the looks that I were getting that I was getting were ridiculous. Like i what, like I, <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, so I, like I was a ghost, but no, it I. I wasn't I, I wasn't BSing. I no, really yeah. thought I really thought I had a shot at doing There's it. There's a
0: difference between like a rational confidence and just confidence and knowing your level of ability, knowing what you can do. You would put in the work, you would put in the miles, and even though you were still a novice to everything, you did know like where your fitness was at. And so it made sense.
1: Yeah, I the the thing was a lot of those people probably knew like Probably could tell from the weather that morning, like, oh, this is this is not going to be fun. This is not optimal. I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. And that probably <laughs> I would, helped you. Yeah, it 100 percent helped me. A month me, ago
0: would, in Lincoln, I'm like, I know this is going to be tough. And even then, I still overestimate or underestimated how brutal the conditions were. If I'm not thinking about that. You know, maybe just it gives me a little bit of extra oomph that you had a couple years. I don't of years think ago. I ever
1: checked what the weather was going to be before <laughs> that sounds the race. Like you.
0: I think I, I'm fairly confident. I like lo-
1: looked it up the morning of, and it said 65, and it's like eh, okay, that that, good. that's that's singlet and shorts weather. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's summer in Nebraska, yeah. you know, it's going to be singlet and shorts
0: weather regardless, as yeah. long as it's not raining. Uh huh. So this is the end of 2020, and as you you mentioned. Um, you, you mess with your Achilles and you end up missing a lot of time. I think for, for all of us who have, you know, fallen in love with running and have attacked it in this way, I think our, all of our biggest fear, of course, is, is some form of an injury and the mental game of just like, you'll be sad because you're not able to run. My immediate thought would be how much fitness am I going to lose? Can I keep it? What can I do throughout this process? Knock on wood. I thankfully have not had anything horrible since 2020, When I got back into running, what do those next few months look like for you? Because you go from someone who wasn't confident in yourself, you lose a lot of weight, you catch the running bug, you qualify for Boston, you're doing all of this in such a short amount of time. I have to imagine that there was a part of you that was afraid of backsliding or turning into the old you or like, what was that process like?
1: I, yeah, the entire... All of me was worried about turning, like, about putting on weight at that point. So I ended up buying a, uh, I, I bought a road bike and I bought a, a trainer and I started hitting Zwift incredibly hard. I was probably averaging just under two hours a day on on Zwift at that point. <laughs> Good lord! And so I, I would do um So there, there's a, there's kind of a course in Zwift called the Alpe de Zwift where you're climbing. It's roughly like. 3500 feet of elevation gain in about seven and a half miles and so i would do that at least once a day sometimes twice per day and that was that was just how i was like trying to stay in shape my heart rate would routinely hit like 160 170 doing that because i I was riding it hard yeah and i was that difficult with the achilles no it, it was biking was fine the The hardest part for me was that I continue like I wanted to be running. Biking is not the same in my Especially mind inside. as running. I really enjoyed running. I really disliked biking. Yeah, and so I would occasionally like go outside and test it. And if you like, if you spend too long on an injury, you can set yourself completely back. And yeah, I just kept doing it worse. that without seeing a PT. So the biggest like realization was that I need to start seeing a PT and preferably one that knows how to handle runners so that I can get back to this. Because in the grand scheme of things, my Achilles tendinopathy was fairly, was a fairly simple solve. Like it ended up being stay off it for a couple of weeks, let it heal, do eccentric heel drops and do some other, like do some toe walks and some other miscellaneous stretches. Yeah. And you'll be back to normal. Wow. That's all it took. Yeah. That that was what it took. And that was, it's just, Really tough to convince yourself in the long term yep. that taking time off, and that's something I still struggle with. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I could have my calf act up and just be tight one day, and I don't want, even though I know, I know that if I take one day off, I'm I'm going to be, be fine. fine. I'm not going to lose any fitness, but it is a mental struggle yeah. to convince myself because well, I just enjoy running yeah. is the highlight of my day. Yeah. My mood is so much better yep. after I have my morning run in and you can normally tell if you meet me in in the afternoon and I haven't had a run because I'll be on edge and like Wondering like, how can I fit this in later?
0: Well, you even told me today on our run, you're like, I'm taking tomorrow off. And the way you said it, it was almost like more for you than it was for me. I was like, okay, cool. But it was almost like you're like, I just need to, I need to not run tomorrow. I need to take tomorrow off. Yeah, I,
1: my, my coach has me take one day off and it's the hardest day every week. It sucks. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, and I don't even care about the whole run streak aspect. No, I, yeah, I, I don't care about tracking that. I yeah. just want to run everything. because it makes you
0: happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a run streak. I've, uh, I, I think over the last few years, my my longest run streak is like 20 days. So I mean, it's not even that long. Whereas some people are going into the thousands. You know, I just I'm, I'm a happier person when I'm running. Um, did you notice in that time, or did people around you notice like he like? Did, I guess were you asked hey, are you okay? Are you, you don't seem as happy as you were. Like, did, was that a conversation or were you? Absolutely. Okay, or You yeah. can,
1: you can ask my girlfriend and my mood was, I was significantly more on edge yeah. and just small things were annoying me that normally yeah. I would just be able to let slide. Like yeah. it, it definitely affected my mood. And so I was incredibly happy when I was able to, Get back from that. And the nice thing about looking back at injuries is that you're able to learn something from each injury. Like you, you, you have to sit at it, sit down and look at it from an outside perspective and realize what could I have done differently to try and prevent this? So, yeah, what did you learn from that? What I learned from that is that after races, you (laughs) need to take, you need to take time off. Yeah. So in the marathon, minimal running for two weeks minimum. Yep minimum and after a half marathon probably another week
0: yeah like you you can feel good and not still be fully recovered. Yep, I am right now. When this comes out, I will uh, I will finally be out of my recovery period post-Lincoln. post, post Lincoln. Uh, Just finished, when we're recording, I just finished week four. And I am so antsy. I'm antsy for a variety of reasons right now. I think the, the biggest one for me lately has been that I do not feel acclimated to the heat very well yet, just because I have done, I've only done two runs with strides in them. My longest run so far was the one that we did today of 12 miles. And so I just don't feel like I am... Acclimated to anything, and I'm seeing all of you know you you guys and gals, and it's like you know crap. They're they're just putting in all this mileage that I haven't been able to, and so you know that that part stinks, and I, I just I, I also just don't feel as happy, and so I'm ready for I'm ready to come out of this and to start you know putting more mileage down and to and to start feeling like you know I know I'll get there. Last year it was the same thing. The summer started, I increased my mileage, and the first few weeks of June I was like, this sucks. Do you it, think your mind spa- your head space your headspace
1: would be any different? Should if the weather would have been different in Lincoln? Yes,
0: I do. I do. And cause like for a couple of reasons, um, if I would have hit my goal, this is the first time I didn't hit my goal as you know, you and I've talked about it a ton. Um, and so that happened, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, that's, that's it, for sure. It, it definitely would. I do think that getting used to the heat is, is hurting. Like, post-Chicago, yeah, I hit my goal. I beat cued, I did all that stuff. But I also was able to then run in, like, 40-degree weather, which was great. So I'm, I feel like I'm just coming out of this a little down on myself, a little down on the time, which I know I shouldn't be. But also it's like, crap, these runs are just a lot. They're just harder than I feel like they should be at this moment in time still. But it's only four weeks after it. I'll be fine.
1: And I mean, I'm a couple of weeks ahead of you in coming back from, yeah, from Boston, Boston, but I still feel the same. Like it's tough to, it's tough to quantify what, 70 or 80 degrees and 80% humidity. How uh-huh. mu- just how much that affects you, especially yep. because it affects everybody different. Like, you know, it, there's a lot of nutritional aspects that come into play. Like what, what's your salt like, yeah. or what's your sodium intake? Like what, yeah. how how many carbohydrates did you take before it? Or how, yeah. how many electrolytes do you have? But I I feel like every everybody's kind of in this the same boat right now uh-huh. I'm looking forward to that change in about October where all of a sudden all run, all your runs get 30 45 like, seconds
0: look at per mile
1: faster at a lower heart rate and it's like oh that that reminder that oh uh-huh. running is running is fun and I do enjoy yeah. this cuz I've I've had plenty of runs in the heat where I ask myself mid run like why are you doing this? You don't, I don't have to be running today. I don't have to run. I I get get to to run. I want to do this. Yeah. And
0: I think we're all going through the same thing. Some people are just a little further ahead, but I saw there was a a, a mutual friend of ours who had a run uh, earlier this week. And he acknowledged like on Strava, he acknowledged like, man, it's just, I'm not used to this yet. And I was just thinking, yeah, me neither, man. Like we all, we're, I think a lot of us are in this boat of like crap. It got a lot warmer and a lot humid, a lot more humid, maybe faster than either. We were anticipating or that our bodies were ready for just given that a lot of us in this in this group have run in either you know Boston or Lincoln or even the half I mean the half in Lincoln wasn't wasn't any joke either just given the the weather of that day we'll all uh, we'll all come out of it all right so it's 2020 you when do, or no now it's 2021 and it's funny because this is now when I moved to Blackstone, yep. and so at some point we start crossing paths. We think it's sometime in April. That I guess is is that like right when you start running again? Yes. When did you start running again in twenty twenty one?
1: Yeah, so I started running again mid February, and I had signed up for the Lincoln Marathon, and I had a goal of what would have been a four minute PR two fifty five. And so I basically had I think it was roughly about ten weeks to come back from injury and <sighs> hope to PR. <sighs> And so I was, I, I want to say my mileage looked something like 15 miles per week, 35 miles per week, 65 miles per week. Oh, and then wow. I, and then I sustained roughly like 65, 70 miles per week. So also not an ideal comeback no. from an injury. And do you have a coach
0: at this time? No. No. Okay. So no, you're still I doing was, it.
1: I was completely doing my own thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember in that buildup, I, my, my key workout when I was Coaching, when I was kind of doing my own thing, was that I would like to do 16 miles at, mar- at marathon pace. I had done that before Nebraska Marathon, and that worked out. So I was like, okay, we're going to try this again. And my first time trying 16 miles at 640-ish pace was in early... Uh, I think it would have been about early April, and I completely failed on that. And that was really the first time that I'd kind of failed a workout. And so I was kind of down on myself. And some people had texted me and said like, Hey, you are in, like, I think you just had a bad day. Like give it another try. And so uh, a week or two later I gave it another try and I was able to do 16 fairly comfortably at marathon pace. And that was when I decided that Lincoln was going to be a Lincoln was going to be a go and two fifty five was the goal. And I had a group of people that I was going to run with that that race as well. Uh Seth, the the same set that I've run with in the past he was going he was shooting for 255 and then there were a couple other of my friends John and Caleb that were going to be going for three sub 3 hours uh-huh and we got similar weather this year where it was rough you know it was roughly 65ish at the start yep. and incredibly humid and I had 10 weeks of running under my legs so I that's been to date I went through the half marathon right on pace and I knew Seth's wife was going to be at mile 16 because uh-huh. as soon as I got past the half marathon, I realized that I made a mistake and I should have just run the half. Yeah. And so I, in my head, I was like, if I make it to 16, I'm just dropping out at that point because I could feel I could already feel it was way harder than it should be. I my stomach was starting to yeah. I, I could feel it starting to turn, so I wasn't going to be able to take in calories, and I didn't feel like I was going to get anything out of struggling for the last ten miles. So at sixteen, I was a little off pace. I dropped out and I started talking to Seth's wife, and she kind of gave me a look like, "Aren't you supposed to be running?" It's like, "Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm yeah. done. Yeah, I'm done." And then John ran by me a couple of minutes later and he tried to drop out and I wouldn't let him. (laughs) And he, he continued going. And then we saw him at 21 and he was in really rough shape. And now he
0: will blame me for talking (laughs) into (laughs) going the additional five miles before he DNF. would So I wonder, given that you had had, you know, 19 to, you know, the end of 20, just this incredible stretch. You're setting your PRs, you're qualifying for Boston, you're doing all of these things. You deal with an injury. Then you, then you have a DNF. You don't finish a marathon mentally. Do you feel like you came out of that? Okay. Or, or did you have, I guess, I don't know, moments of regret. Like what was it like for you in the days and weeks that followed that? So I, after this DNF, I
1: signed up for an ultra so you can do with that. Whatever. <laughs> was I doing okay? <laughs> that, that, that That's up for debate. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I wasn't too mad about it looking back i wish i would have finished the race just to like done all 26 yeah i I wish that i would have just finished off even if it was going to be slow but up to that point i had pr'd every race that i'd ever run and accomplished every thing yeah so i'd never had any negative really experiences so i should have dealt with it at that point knowing that not every marathon is going to go well and you're going to have some low points and you just need the the goal is to finish the goal is to push yourself on that day yep like you're not just racing against your pastimes you're racing against the weather you're racing against how your body's doing that day i should have finished but i do not i did not have any regrets at that point i was able to kind of hop right back into training i think i did it I think I did about a ten mile tempo a week later. Yeah. And so see, and
0: that's a good part about not finishing. And you know, I've never, I've never DNF'd. I've, I've finished all six marathons that I've signed up for. But there was a part of me in the days that followed Lincoln where I was like, if I would have just done a half, I mean, I can get right back into yeah. things and don't have to worry about that. Type the of the stuff. recovery is way easier. Yeah. Even those extra ten miles that you didn't run, it's nuts how that. I mean, especially the last ten k, how that can just affect you, you know, in a negative capacity, recovering on on a day like that, yeah. especially.
1: And lo- looking back, honestly, my main regret from that year was probably signing up for that ultra because I had these dreams of wanting to run like Western States and 100 milers and all of that. And I still have those dreams. But doing that race let me realize just yep. how hard it is to yep, recover. Same. So I did the 12 hour dizzy goat, which at that year was on a th- roughly three mile loop out in Bennington. So I did uh as many loops as I could for twelve hours, and I ended up running fifty-four miles in just. It was in terrible conditions. It and if you notice the theme, it was every, every race yeah, every, I run It seems yeah. to be Meanwhile, terrible. For me, conditions. it was the
0: opposite. It was like I got great weather every single race that I did.
1: For yeah, a while. I I did not. So I it was incredibly humid. It was raining, so it was a super muddy course. And I ended up go. I I ended up running that, and I. I placed third. I I did at 10 and a half hours. I had just finished my 54th mile and all all of my friends that I had pacing me had said like, oh, I have to I have to go. I was roughly averaging about a loop every 40 ish minutes. Yeah. So in all reality, I probably could have hit 60. My goal for going into that race, I thought I could do 65 miles and I had no context of what running like <laughs> for that long was my yeah. my only key the only difference really from marathon training was that I did a 50k in training yeah and that that was the longest run that I did and so I went up to one of my friends that was working the the scoring and just asked him like hey am I on the podium and he said no and so I said okay perfect I hit Fifty miles. That's i good to go. That that seems like a great day. I dropped out. We packed up our stuff. I was at I, I was at a restaurant eating a burger when I get a <laughs> Facebook message from the same guy saying, Hey, you got third. You need to come pick up you need to come pick up your trophy. And then I was looking at it and both of the winners, who are incredibly good yeah. and incredibly accomplished ultra runners, had run Two more loops than me. And I was having, aver- oh! I had quit with an hour and a half to go, and I was averaging a loop every 40 ish minutes.
0: Oh. So. There's a
1: world. There, there is a world where I could have been in competition. I don't think I would have beaten either of them. They. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, I had no idea. But in my head, it could have played out differently.
0: Yeah. So when is this, When is this in 2021? That was June 2021. Okay. So that, right now we're in June. So you've you've seemingly come back really well from your Achilles injury. Yeah. I. Yeah. I.
1: The problem after that was recovering from running fifty odd miles. Now, how do you recover I, from something like that? I <laughs> didn't. I ran very minimally sh- for yeah. about a month. Yeah. And it was not it was brutal because I wanted to be running Uh and I just, my knee was acting like I, I did not train on trails. This wasn't, this was a trail ultra. I did zero trail training. I trained like I was running for a marathon. The, the, the standard story seems to be that I do not know
0: what I'm doing. (laughs) Do not follow what I say. Just, (laughs) just learn from me. I remember I did, uh, I did the, the uh, half marathon on Thanksgiving over at, Cunningham and I for some reason I thought it was going to be a lot on you know concrete and so I, I showed up in race shoes and uh it wasn't it was on trail and my I was fine I didn't get hurt but man my ankles for the next week were killing me just given all of the you know the undulation and yeah. all the, the movement that that they did so 2021 this certainly at this time I know who you are and because I'm I'm following you on Strava And you're putting up all these super impressive times. I don't remember. Did you do a marathon at the end of 2021?
1: Yes, I did. So I ended up. I ran the Kansas City Marathon, which is a phenomenal marathon, not an easy course. Oh,
0: let's try right. super hilly, right?
1: Yes. So I signed. So the way that actually worked was I had been playing around in my head with running a marathon because I knew I was in very good shape yeah. at that point. I'd I'd bounced back pretty strongly. I felt like I was in about one seventeen ish half marathon shape. So I thought I could run a pretty, I, I thought I could run a pretty comfortable 250, 250 to 255 marathon. And so I did, a, I did a workout with one of my friends, a 20, 20 miler, where we finished the last four uh, in kind of a progression run. And that was about three weeks out from Kansas City so I did this workout and then I signed up for Kansas City so I did not have a traditional cycle I basically did one predictor workout and then signed up for a marathon and started a taper yeah and then I ran Kansas City also with my friend Seth yeah and we both managed to PR my I could feel just my hamstring just felt very weird it felt like something was wrong the last 10k yeah and so from then on I I was able to I was able to like bounce back and continue running but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and I couldn't figure out what it, what was going on. So I ended up having to take time off after that, which was unfortunate because I was set up to run Boston, Boston. in 2022.
0: And so I wanted to ask you because of the just COVID and everything, you run a BQ time in 2020? Their next Boston Marathon is not until basically a year later, fall of twenty twenty one, and then they did the and spring. That, that was the and that was the reduced field
1: size, so that was the biggest uh, the biggest margin needed in I, I
0: believe in history. So that was where like seven, it was and like and a half seven and a half yeah. minutes.
1: Yeah, Talk so to, I did not get in that time.
0: Okay, because I wanted because you know Jonathan Levitt, who was on in the first episode, he I thought that you know he'd ran a BQ time, but he he didn't get in he got in with a with a, a fundraising bib um and and so uh or just he got a he got a bib from i can't remember exactly what it was you can go listen to episode one of the podcast so i was going to ask you so you don't qualify for 2021 because of that or i guess you yeah. have a bq time but you don't get it so you needed to run that time in kansas yes. city to qualify now, and that was part of why was that like I, right at the end of the right at the end of the cutoff yes it was wow
1: that was part of why I wanted to run a marathon, and because I knew I was in shape to PR, and I would have really liked to have you. a
0: bit of additional margin
1: yeah. to get it to Boston for the following year.
0: And so, what's your time? What was the time? So for that I ran
1: two fifty five forty nine, I believe. So I you was, chop off what three plus minutes. Yeah. Then yeah, it was. It was a PR for me. It was a PR for my friend Seth. And, we, and he
0: BQ'd as well then? He
1: also BQ'd. So we were set up to run Boston together in uh, 2022. And at that point, I wouldn't have even needed to run because that was the first year of no, no, mar- like... Yeah, it was zero, right? It yeah, was there exactly. was zero cutoff for Boston. If you qualified, you were in that year.
0: And you're in your 20s, so you needed, you needed yes. to go sub three. Yes, to I run needed, that one. I
1: needed sub three. And so I had that, and then I was—I had to take all of this time off to try and figure out what was going on with my hamstring. I had suspected that it was high hamstring tendinopathy, and it very well could have been. But after seeing Pete, after seeing uh, the premier running PT in Omaha, Christy Nielsen, after seeing her, and also getting an MRI, we were able to determine that it was a uh, tendon in my in my hip. Yeah, and it. It's one that people consistently train through. Uh Uh, You're able to work around it through uh, through strengthening. And so once I started kind of
0: doing strengthening exercises, it I, I was basically good to go. I remember that because, you know, again, I've been following you for a while and there are times where you're not running and then there are times where you are. But your your posts often have stuff about like trying to figure out what it is. I think I might have figured out what it is, seeing how I'm doing on it. And so I'm wondering because at this time we still don't know each other truly yet. We haven't talked in person. And I'm like wondering, man, what is going on with him? as he deals with, with all these things. And then you finally figured it out sometime. Was it in like late winter, early spring of 2022? Yeah. So it ended, it ended up being
1: a a labral tear in my hip is what is what I had. Some people require surgery for it Uh, up to date. I've been able to get around it with just, with just strengthening, Uh but what it, what it ended up taking to diagnose it because I, I wasn't showing really any of like the traditional, the traditional symptoms, I was just having high pain in my hamstring, which could have been ca- like it could have been something else in addition to that, and that the time off healed it we don 't know, but it took me basically kind of failing p t to convince my doctor that I needed an MRI and so on the MRI, that popped up, and then we were able to kind of develop a plan so i got we figured out that it was that in about january okay Boston was roughly April. Yeah, you're
0: already a, a I, few weeks into your into I, what should have been your training. I got the like okay
1: to like okay, you can run you you can do Boston
0: about four weeks before the race. Okay, so what what is this like then in this moment in time for you because you have I imagine that at a certain point as as I mean you mentioned a few minutes ago you you got the idea of I want to do sub three and I want to bq. And I think all of us who have who have attacked and gone after Boston, we have these dreams of I qualify and then I put together my best training of my life. That's my goal for the end of this year into next year ahead of Boston. I I mean, just you know me. I cannot imagine how I would handle it mentally if I was unable to do that because of an injury. How the hell did you deal with that? You know. I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise because I would have loved
1: to have to be able to race it. Yeah, but in my opinion, the best way to experience that course for the first time is enjoying it. Yeah. And so I was able to go in with zero expectation. The only expectation I had was to finish. Yeah. You wanted and to have fun. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to have fun. If people were handing out stuff on the course, I was going to grab it. Yeah. I was going to high five people. I tried to remember as much as I could. I did 116 miler in the build up uh-huh. to that and that was the longest run that I had done since October of the previous year basically. Yeah. So I I felt I re- I remember I had set out with a goal of okay, I'm just going to run about 8 minute miles. They I figured my heart rate would be high but it you know, I'd yeah. be able to sustain that. And so the The first mile downhill at Boston, all the energy. I think it was like maybe 720. And then I started, (laughs) I, I, I I went out really fast for what, for the shape that I was in, but I was feeling really good. And then I just remember at mile sixteen. Once you hit that first uphill, which was also the longest distance that I'd run in roughly six months. Yeah, you
0: have ten miles to go, and every mile after that's ten miles be like,
1: to go. Yeah. and my I started feeling it in my quads oh, yeah. because I had run a little hard on the downhills <laughs> and I had <laughs> zero training. And then I realized that okay, I'm gonna have to like I'm gonna have to get into a deep place. Yep, and so I. I was in pain for the last ten miles of the race, and I don't remember too much of the like last ten miles. Yeah, and so I, I, I was able to finish. I had made some friends along the way. The I pictures are great. You're smiling way. in
0: a lot of them. The Sitco sign one. You look great. It, you look like you're having an awesome
1: time. It's tough not to be smiling yeah. out there, especially yeah. when it's something that I got lucky. I had not. It had not been a lifelong dream for me. It had been. <laughs> a it, years. I, yeah, it had been a couple years. So. And I was still absurdly happy. So I can't imagine what, what it feels yeah. like to have had that for somebody to have had that as a long term goal and
0: yep. to finally be able to be on that course and a comp and run it. I and, feel the same experience. way where like I decided it was my goal probably in 2021 and I'm going to run it in 2024. And, you know, I'll, I'll hear these stories of like. I tried to BQ and it took me, you know, five, six years. And it's like, yeah, I did it in like a year and a half. And it's just, it's like a weird feeling. And, and so it's cool that you were able to recognize like how some people, how just like what it meant to them versus what it meant to you. Well, so I, when I went back and
1: ran it this year, a big reason why I went back and ran it this year is that there were a big group of my friends and my training partners that were running it for the first time and I wanted to be there to see them experience it because it almost feels like the more you do it, the more, I don't want to say you take it for granted, but like you lose sight of the fact that this is a lifelong dream for, for a lot of people and we I have you know, I've I've now done this two years in a row. So I like to go back and just mm-hmm. see the wonder in people's eyes. And also because you feel like you can offer them some tips like, yep. hey, the this is what you have to do with the bus. I like, know I'll be bugging how, the hell out of you next here's year. Here's how you here's how you can run the course. And then you get on the course and it's just incredible to see everybody. <laughs> The just the buzz of people as you're walking up, as you're as you're it's in a bunch of people work. like us,
0: just a bunch of nerds. It's you the, know, it's the Comic Con of the running community. Yeah. I lo- like when I did Chicago last year, it was because when I did Twin Twin Cities in 2021, all of the the stuff was in place where the uh, expo. I mean, it was just like get in and out, and so it was not a let's have fun at the expo. So this last year was the first time. In in my now running career where I really, really, really wanted to be at a marathon that had a lot of people that, and there was that buzz to it. And I just was like, these are my people. And it's just so fun to be around people like that. So the feeling in Boston next year is going to be, I mean, darn near indescribable. But I'll try to describe it on the podcast and in my newsletter.
1: But the my favorite quote that I heard from anybody while we were standing around waiting to get on the buses was I heard somebody, a couple like people back, and he said... Yeah, my doctor says I have a stress fracture and I can't run this, so I'm not going to run anything faster than seven minutes. <laughs>
0: I wonder how that guy did. I don't know. Oh. I did not
1: catch his bib number. Yeah, that's a guy that I'd love to. All
0: right, let me hop Those on the were, app
1: afterwards. It, 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 we're sickos. It, I don't know what I would have done had yeah. I had, had I not yeah. been been given the okay from a doctor. Would I have run it? There's there's definitely a chance. Yeah, for sure. I don't I that's not something that I ever <laughs> want to experience. That's not something I hope anybody ever should experience. But
0: it's not like you can defer. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So, let's go back then to 2022. So, you run that one. I believe this is a time when you're about to get a coach? And okay, so what? Now that I mean, you have you have had some real high highs. You have probably had some low lows. Certainly mentally, with without running, and and I guess was that ultimately what led you? Like, I've just my body hasn't been consistent enough to do what I wanted to do. It's time for me to hire a coach because I know when we you and I met last summer. It's basically been about a year now since we met, and I remember one of the first things that you said was like, I when we were talking about your coach. I need a coach to tell me like when to dial it back or to tell me I'm running too much. And so that, I thought that that was a nice window into your mind, especially given now that I know your backstory even more, some of the mileage that you were putting up and you know, it it makes sense that at that time you were like, it's time for me to have a coach. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the PT that I
0: had been seeing,
1: uh, Nielsen in the Omaha area, she's a multi-time Olympic trials qualifier and she does some coaching on the side. And so I had talked to her, she was, she was able to work wonders with kind of just my injuries and solving like what the, the true issue was. And so I brought her on as a coach with the mindset of like, I will follow her. I'll follow her workouts to the best of my abilities. But the, the knowledge of like, I need somebody that is able to keep me healthy. That's going to be the biggest that's the biggest predictor in how in having like a successful marathon in career is being able to stack one cycle after another and the way that I had been doing it where I would have one phenomenal cycle and then get hurt. One phenomenal cycle and then get hurt was not I, I, wasn't I wasn't conducive I wasn't for what going you want to do. Yeah. And so she has been able to dial back quite a bit. Like the mileage I in my build up to Kansas City, I, I remember I had my highest mileage month ever. I think it was about four hundred and twenty five.
0: Four hundred and twenty five? Yes. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that. I knew you that you hit a hundred, you know, a couple times. I or whatever. Had, I
1: hit a hundred every every week for a month in the build up to that. Oh like my gosh. Would, And that was when I didn't have a marathon on the books. I yeah. was just upping my mileage for the sake <laughs> of upping my mileage. And so that was um so a big portion of that has been dialing it back. So since then, I I hired her in early 2022. So she's been coaching me, we'll call it about a year and a half. Sure. I think the highest mileage I've had was eighty-two. Uh-huh. So, so we've dialed it back much more consistently significantly. And I've only had I've had a couple like minor, minor injuries. So I had like Uh, I had my anterior tibialis act up and I had to take about a week off. I've rolled my ankle twice, but that's just stuff that like that's not controllable. But other than that, I haven't had any any major issues in the last year and a half. So that's been a huge point in how I was able to actually go PR at Boston and now be feeling like I'm in the best shape
0: of my life. Yeah, absolutely. So that so that that happens. You hire a coach. And what what's at the end of 2022? For some reason, I can't remember what yeah, the, the so race you I was, did last year. I was signed up to run the Milwaukee
1: Lakefront Duh, Marathon. That's right. And oh my gosh, I had I had some lofty goals, but I didn't feel like I was quite in shape to my my goal. Not. Has been 245 for quite a while. I've yeah. wanted to get into that space. And so my that was my goal going into Milwaukee Lakefront. I realized pretty early on that that wasn't going to be an, a, attainable, but I kind of kept it still as like an A goal, but was realizing I was probably closer to like 253 ish shape. And then two weeks <laughs> before the Milwaukee Lakefront marathon, I saw rumblings on Let's Run that the race was going to be canceled. Uh, My girlfriend's dad was a retired Milwaukee police officer. And so I texted him and just said, hey, I heard this. Like, do you you, like, can you find anything out about it? He said, no, you're you're fine. The race is going to happen. And then the next day the race got canceled
0: because they didn't get the permit. Yeah.
1: The city like didn't approve the court. I guess it was a verbal agreement to the course, but nothing in writing. And then the city pulled it back. So I'm technically zero for two on trying to run races in Milwaukee because I was set to run a half marathon there because that's where my girlfriend's from a uh-huh. few years back, and they canceled that during COVID as well. Oh geez! So I just for some reason I struggle to run races in Wisconsin. Uh huh. But um, and this so, is when we run together for the yeah, first time. Yeah. So when that when that got canceled, I had to sit down and look at like what options do I have? Like I I'd like to still run a race. And at that point, you have the stereotypical like C.I.M. the indie, the Philadelphia ones. And so I was looking at it, and I realized that my girlfriend Haley, her cousin lives in Philadelphia. And so I said, "Okay, we have a place to stay. I have a place to stay. This will be perfect." So I ended up running the Philadelphia Marathon, and And that's just
0: November. That was right before Thanksgiving, right?
1: Like November twentieth, I believe. So the weekend. The weekend before Thanksgiving, and I—this was after I had to take a take a bit of time off for the anterior tibialis issue. So I realized I wasn't probably I wasn't going to PR. I thought that I would still be able to break three hours, and that would be a successful trip out for me. But I ended up getting there, and on race day, it was. Roughly twenty-five degrees before wind chill and wind bursts of up to twenty-five miles an hour, Ugh. so it was a real feel of roughly nineteen degrees. And I'd never run a marathon in temperatures like that, so I wasn't entirely sure how to dress.
0: What's what? You, how do you, how does that compare to? Because you've done the really hot, and now you've done the really cold. I mean, what 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 is that like? Because I'm just thinking of you know, obviously you'd you'd wear gloves. Like, I assume the whole time, right? Like yeah. you can't take the gloves off are you still wearing a normal singlet though like you normally would so I ended up putting on a thin long sleeve under it I wish that
1: I wouldn't have because I started overheating yeah how far in relatively early oh god relatively early on but I just because in marathoning you shouldn't be red you shouldn't be like redlining yeah I didn't think that I, I I thought that I would be colder for a lot longer and that I would really only need it for maybe like the last 10 K. So I completely misjudged that I was wearing like basically like socks that I would wear if I were going snowboarding. I had two layers of gloves. I had a beanie on. Uh So you're just way too hot. I, yeah, I I was way too hot. And I think that I used up a little too much energy trying to stay on pace early. Um, So at Philadelphia, once you hit about the halfway point, you get on a street called Kelly Drive, and it's basically, call it six and a half miles out to uh, maniac and back, and on the way out, it's I won't call it rolling hills, but it's not flat. So, I mean, there are some hills, and it was straight into the wind going out, and I worked way too hard in that stretch to try try and stay on my pace to the point that when I hit the turnaround and you get downhill wind at your back, very similar to Lincoln, I just—I could not get any turnover in my legs, and so I just— I, the the three-hour pacer passed me, and I there was just nothing that I could do. So I ended up coming in at 3.01, had an absolute blast at that race. Despite everything, it was an incredible experience, and I was able to kind of turn my focus
0: to, to Boston. Now, how did—so did you qualify—when did you qualify for Boston this year? When this was— that-
1: with this year was from uh
0: my Kansas City one it was like right cuz the window is just so Yeah. Mad. okay cuz now it's finally back on normal now, yep. okay
1: yep covid was able to kind of wow. change that window So okay. I think I caught I think I got in like as early as you pretty much could because say, that yeah. was if I remember right, Kansas City was first or second week of October and the 20 that that Boston 2021 Boston had happened September or October, uh-huh. right in that. Yeah. So it was like one of the first possible races, and I uh-huh. di- was not even really considering
0: that. I just that yeah. was a race that ended up working out. That's crazy. And so you you get to qualify for you qualify for Boston again, and you move on really quickly. And by the way, the medal for Philadelphia is is that like your favorite? It I is mean, a working Liberty Bell. Yeah, it's so cool. It is
1: incredible. Yeah.
0: I hope to, I hope to run that one someday. So what's the plan now? As we finally get to this year ahead of Boston, is it, you know, you've learned a lot about yourself over the last few years. You have pushed yourself. You have, you know, continued to set PRs. You've dealt with setbacks. I imagine in this moment, you're like, now I really know what I'm doing. And so if I'm able to put all of that together, it it, it could work wonders for me in, in mid-April. Just
1: because I had had, I, I felt like I was in really good shape going into Philly. It was just that I had that, like, roughly week and a half, two-week setback. And yeah. that, like... Turn, having that a month out from a race, you can't really recover from that. So I knew I was in really – I knew I was in good shape. I would just need a bit of time to kind of get get my mileage back. And but the the difficulty with Boston and Nebraska is training through the really unpredictable winter. Yeah, and so I personally feel like I always get a bunch of like minor nagging injuries yep. throughout the winter, whether that's from just being cold and yep. not able to like properly warm up, or from I normally in, run. On the treadmill a lot more like during the week so whether whether it's one of those things the goal was pretty much try and stay healthy like i'm gonna try and do workouts if the weather cooperates with me but there were plenty i think there were two or three weeks over the summer where or over the winter where christy had given me a workout with marathon pace and i just couldn't do it whether because there was snow on the ground or because one of them, it was minus six real feel. Like yeah. I, I, I tried and my watch froze up and I wasn't <laughs> able <laughs> I, <laughs> Can't do anything I, with that. Yeah. And if, if you're wearing like three layers, you can't expect to do marathon pay. So it was pretty much just trying to do whatever I could throughout the winter and just try and try and kind of keep that base there and hope that we can get, get to April and everything miraculously comes together on race day.
0: Yeah, and and so in 2022, like you said, you got to enjoy it. And this time, you're going in, you know, with a with a stronger goal. How much though did did just the pre the knowledge of 2022 of that of the race of the course of the logistics? How much do you think that that helped you when you actually got to Boston? The course and the logistics
1: are huge. The course is it's not a difficult course; it's a tricky course. Mm-hmm. Like the first. 16 miles or so, The you know, it's mostly downhill. But the key is that you have to know that it's mostly downhill, but you can't go out too hard because you have the the Newton Hills. And once you get over the Newton Hills, it's mostly downhill as well. So it, it's a mostly downhill course yeah. with just... Four small hills. They they wouldn't be any. They're not anything special. It's just where they fall. And if you use up, if you go too fast, you'll feel it in your quads on the second half. So my goal, like I I knew how I should in theory run it. I knew through the Newton Hills, I was going to try. My goal was to give back ten seconds per mile. Whatever pace I like had deemed comfortable that day, I was going to give back ten seconds per mile through the through the hills. And it ended up being a little bit less than that. But I I that was a huge turning point. And also knowing like the fueling aspect is incredibly difficult. Because for most races, it's fairly simple. You wake up three hours before the race and then whatever whatever your go-to morning food is, for me it's usually bagels uh, and some peanut butter you You can do that, but with boston <laughs> it's incredibly difficult because you know the first wave's going off ten o'clock ten o five, so that's seven o'clock like you're you're already on the bus yeah. at that point uh-huh. So it was a lot of like researching. I found uh, Megan Featherston on Instagram. She's a dietitian that also ran and nutritionist that ran Boston. And she has been crucial for me learning how to like properly fuel. I'd never I always thought that I was carb loading before races. I really wasn't. So I ate four bagels in the 15 hours before the race.
0: You told me that sometime afterwards because then I approached my link and I was like, man, I hadn't, because I thought I was carb loading and I was like, I guess I should probably eat So I did three. I did three that Saturday and God, I felt just so full and heavy. But, you know, it it, it certainly, you know, helped me the next day, even though the, uh, the conditions weren't great. So did you go into this one feeling your fittest? Did you go into that race feeling like I can, I am at my best or I can set a PR? Like what was the mindset that you had? So... For 85% of the training cycle, I was
1: struggling and not feeling like I was in that great of shape. And then I had one day where I did a 22-mile uh, a long run with 13 of them at marathon pace, and it felt pretty easy. And I averaged like 628 for the marathon pace, and that was when I started realizing like, okay, I'm— I'm and that's a, a two
0: fifty. That's a two fifty marathon. Yeah,
1: I'm in a bit better shape than I had thought, and that was just one of those days. I ran with one of my friends who could comfortably run that pace. Um, <laughs> He's ridiculous. The, the weather was perfect, and it was just one. Of, it it was one of the like workouts where you run it, and afterward, you're like it, you you start realizing like, oh, I g- I can I do g- it. G- yeah, it was it was like the whole training. It, back to what we were talking about earlier, it was the early like summer training uh-huh. for all of this, and then all of a sudden you hit that first fall day, and everything starts feeling starts feeling right. It was that equivalent, and then I was like, "Okay, we're we're in PR shape." Should the course should the course agree with me mm-hmm. in Boston? And so I realized I. I had kind of set a goal of a New York City qualifier which is sub 253 and I thought that that I thought that I would be able to pretty I don't want to say comfortably do that but I thought that I would be in pretty in shape to do that and everything at Boston ended up working out about as well as I could have minus the time. I missed yeah. that goal by 38 seconds. I ran 25338. And a majority of that could be attributed to my first mile. I was
0: gonna say, yeah, I know you've talked about it with me. The start of the race, just how it was, just so cramped. Yeah, the first
1: mile is over a hundred feet downhill. Like you should reason, you can reasonably expect that you would run faster on that mile. And my first mile was six fifty eight. Yeah, because I, I, there was just no room to go anywhere because there's I have a bib in the four thousand. There's four thousand people in front of me. I'm at whatever pace they're going. Yeah, yeah. That's so all it was just a matter of trying. To work my way back into a comf- into the pace where I wanted to be, and then, as I had said, my goal was to kind of be comfortable through the Newton Hills, and then once I get on top, then whatever's left, we've we've got a 10k to go and. I, w- I was able to kind of accomplish that. I remember as soon as we crested Heartbreak Hill, I th- there was a dude next to me and I just kind of looked at him. We were both, w- you could tell that he was feeling pretty good. And so I just kind of high-fived him and said like, we ran smart and now here we are. And then we both kind of took off. And what I didn't end up realizing was that he, I I was in front of him most of the race and he was right behind, using me as like a target. So he ran <laughs> me down, he ran me down in like the last, you know, right as we turned onto Boylston, he ran me down and flew past me, and then hugged me as soon as I crossed the finish <laughs> line. That's awesome. So I, there, I guess I was, a, I guess I was like a target for a lot of people because I'm. You're really you know, tall. I'm yeah. I'm six foot three, and I was wearing an incredibly bright pink singlet. Yeah, so like I, easy to spot. Yeah, I, I remembered, I remembered passing a girl wearing a Dartmouth singlet, like maybe mile twenty. And then I was looking at the pictures from the finish line and she's right behind me in the picture. And then you could look back and she's right behind me in the picture by the Sitco side. And <laughs> she, it looked like she just tucked in like right behind me. And I had no idea that she was there because I was just so in the moment, like, yeah. high fiving people, like pumping up the crowd. I was I just had a blast and it never it never felt hard. So yeah. I feel like I left time out there, but I do not regret it one bit because that was the best experience I've ever had at a race happiest you've ever been after a race before? oh yeah. yeah oh yeah and the best feeling i've been like obviously my quads and my hamstrings were a bit tight anytime you have kind of that elevation gain and drop you're going to be but comparatively i was moving really well and a lot better than some of our friends yeah. that ran that race. yeah
0: that's how i felt after chicago last year it was like wow this is you know you're you're happy you get the goal and your body is sore, but you don't feel like death. And unlike unlike after uh, Lincoln, was the um, the post marathon blues? Was that hard? Just given that that's it's Boston, you put together your best race ever. You even feel like you you could have gone a little faster if you get a a better start with the number of people. Like, was it hard for you as that kind of as as suddenly it was a day in the rear view and a week in the rear view and then a month in the rear view? How has that been over the last couple for you? It's it hasn't been bad for me because I know what's next. Yeah. So
1: my next marathon is the the Berlin Marathon. And so knowing that that was like, I mean, yeah, yeah, knowing that that was next, it's it was just looking ahead because I have personally I've never been out of the country. So, so it's
0: gonna be uh, awesome for a variety of. Yeah, reasons.
1: we're turning it. We're turning it into an actual like a legit vacation. We're gonna spend ten days going around Europe, and I have the Berlin Marathon to look forward to. Which, if, I mean, it does. Am I as excited about Berlin as Boston? Probably not. But Boston is kind of the the greatest marathon in the yeah. world. So. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's between that and New York City, and New York City will happen at some point in the future. But, uh, it, yeah, be, knowing that Boston's next or that Berlin's next, that's ju- that it, everything is kind of just changed to focusing on that because that yeah. even even if I don't PR there, that's going to be that. That's going to be an incredible experience. I have a hard time imagining I'll have a bad time yeah. going around Europe and going to yeah. Chamonix, France, and Lucerne, Switzerland, uh, and yeah. Frankfurt. Have you ever thought about coaching?
0: Because I asked because you have been. I would imagine that other people in the running group would say something similar, and that you are very, you're very good at motivating people. Um, you, you said something to me on our run today about. How you helped me reach multiple goals that I had in training that you kind of pushed me over the edge. You're very you're very good at recognizing the ability of someone and maybe giving them that extra little push of like, why don't you why don't you do it? And like, I feel like that's your attitude with things of like, why can't I run a sub three, even though my fastest is four in change? Like, I guess, do you like, do you like doing that? Like, would you want to do that more? I definitely have, I've definitely considered it and
1: I've, I definitely would like to get into it. I've had, I've had just a couple people that have kind of reached out to me, typically people that have like never run a marathon before that are just like, Hey, how can I do this? And I'll walk them through kind of the, give them like the basic guidelines of don't, don't do, don't do what I did. Like go out, run whatever mileage you like you feel comfortable P- typically there are people that want to run three to five you know three days a week four days a week something like that so it's just trying to get them to finish it and feel like they want to continue doing that I've yeah. I've written a couple training plans out for them but yes they're part of me does, I figured part of me does want to get into coaching and I would imagine that at some point in the future that'll that'll be the next logical step
0: yeah and like I obviously don't know anything about your plans um, exactly what what they would look like but the the mindset that you have I think is incredibly valuable in a coach where I just I think you're really good at recognizing that in in people you know and I I think that that you have that I don't know man like this this running group which still kind of ruminating on a name to give it I think has become something really fun um you know for me where I t- I said this to you today I didn't really feel like I liked running with anybody until I think the last year. And part of that, I, I'm guessing, is that my ability has gotten better, um, but also just knowing like, I think I'm faster because of, you know, other people in my life to to either run with or talk to or whatever. It just, I mean, it also makes the time, you know, we ran for 90 minutes a day and it didn't feel like 90 minutes.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's truly the thing is that the, the time just passes differently and you... It, it it's crazy how we could do we can do 2 to 3 hour long runs most weekends and never run out of things like I you, know. you never run out of things to say and it, it it's just really interesting people definitely think we're nuts as we're running past at like you know like a moderate pace and just talking the whole the way the whole time yeah the, the whole time and sometimes there'll be 12 of us sometimes there'll be two of us it doesn't matter it just a lot of a lot of things come up that would never have come up had we not decided to go on a long run together and I think just not have our phone. Like when's the last time somebody sat there and talked to somebody for 90 minutes without a phone?
0: It's so funny, man, that you say this because Levitt said the same thing to me last week where he he like he loves talking to people like this and he goes, he acknowledges at one point he goes, I can see on my computer that I have like five or six texts. He's like, I have no desire to look at them until this conversation is over. And whether it's doing this, you and me right now, or when we go for a run, I feel the same way. You you pulled out your phone one time today. I pulled out my phone one time today. One was to take a picture for me. You were looking up another runner because you were telling a story. And otherwise, it's like I have no desire. I, I hell, I almost left it in the car. You know, it's like I don't I don't need it. It, it's just it's fun to to talk to people along those lines. What do you when you think about why you love it or what you love most about it? What's the first thing that comes to mind? It is kind of my peaceful place. There's there's
1: some there's something about the experience of being outside, being you know an hour into a workout and watching the sun come up while nobody while everybody else is asleep. It's just like a calming feeling, and to me, that is that is like. If you could have like a beautiful sunset or sunrise and just be thinking like, there's not that, there's only, you know, a couple, there's only a few people that are getting to experience this right now. And it, I think that carries over to like all things. I mean, you could, you could say the same thing about running the Boston Marathon. There's only a few people that get to experience this. Or for me, I ran, um. I did Hood to Coast, which is a 199 mile 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 relay through Oregon, where I found ten strangers on a forum and met them for the first time as we were getting in their vans to go run this race. And you're running through like the foothills of Oregon at 4 a.m., and the only people on the road ahead of you are other runners, and then the vans. It's like how many people have truly gotten to experience this, and more people should. And that to me is what keeps bringing me back each day that is so cool
0: uh we end every podcast by asking our guests i don't know our it's my my pie well, i end the podcast asking the guest, what are you chasing y- you mentioned berlin you talked about new york i know you'll be back at boston at some point in time what, what what are when you think of what i am chasing right now what's the first thing that comes to mind i want to be better each day is and so that that's kind of what I'm chasing. Like, I, can, I could
1: I could tell you like, oh, I'd love to OTQ. And yeah, I would. Do I ever think that that's probably feasible for me? Absolutely not. But if I keep getting better every day, that that seems feasible. It seems feasible to do that. And wherever my wherever my talent, you called me talent naturally gifted earlier. Wherever that runs out, I want to I want to see where it is. I don't know where it is. of people don't ever reach their natural talent level. I'd love to figure it out because I feel like I'm just like an average person. And I've, I've gotten so when I see people that say like, oh, I could never I could never run sub three or I could never run a marathon. It's like you you totally could. You definitely could. It might require shifting some priorities or and some dedication. But if I in my mind, if I can do it, anybody can. Derek Losky, thank you for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thank you. This is, this is awesome. I'm so glad you finally started this. I've been, I've been wondering for years.
0: <laughs> thanks again to Derek Losky for joining me on today's episode. Huge thanks to Ian Alio for music and sound design. Also thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to ChasingThreeHours.com for more from me, including my weekly newsletter, as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Boston Marathon. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.